is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before. Those of us who unfortunately saw the train coming down the track, this is far worse than I think any of us expected. Wouldn't you agree? Well, and quicker. And quicker. Usually usually the the frog has to heat up a little bit in the water before it starts to boil. This is kind of happening fast. Welcome to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. My name is Lori Gregory. It's great to be back here with you, Andy, and with our good friend Jim Moody to have a really robust conversation about COVID. Can we just call it COVID craziness? Because it really feels like it's amping up to that level. I think we can. I, I, yes, we're very glad to be back. It's not that we've, we haven't been away because we wanted to be away. We've been very, very busy and so much has happened. So much uh, that it, we've got a lot to talk about. So uh, we, we, we may go over time here, but um, it has been an extraordinary. I mean, where does where do we even begin? I mean, there's I, there's the kind of I don't know what, what how to describe it. The sort of pop up news, you know, the things that you just grab on Instagram and see on a regular basis. And I, I, a couple of things, um, and we can get to some much more important things in a, in a minute from Jim. But a couple of things that were striking, and that is that we had this. Extraordinary expose there. I think it was on Fox News of, of laboratories in Florida because we've now become the hotspot, the epicenter of of COVID-19. I mean, you wouldn't know it, look around you, but that's what we're described as. And apparently, our hospitals are overflowing, and there are you know body bags in the car park. But in fact, a CEO came on from uh, head of 33 Florida hospitals saying there's no such crisis. And then we have this reporting of positivity by over 60 laboratories, bordering on 100%, 98%, when it turns out the true positivity rate is 9.8%. And these are being described as cases. So firstly, there's some disastrous distortion of the data in respect of number of cases. But let's go further. And what does they define as a case? Now, we know in medicine that a case is a person who has a disease, a sick person person who manifests the symptoms and signs of a specific syndrome. And that is not what they're counting as a case. A case is someone who is positive on a test. That is not a case. I mean, if I had a a blood test taken for measles antibodies, I would be a case because mine would be positive because I had natural measles and therefore lifelong immunity. I'm not a case of measles at all. This is utter nonsense. And so, but what it does create is this extraordinary disparity where the number of cases are going through the roof. The mortality, because these cases are not sick people, is going down and down and down, or at the very least, a flat curve. That The disparity between cases, the sheer number of people with positive tests, and people, those dying from the disease, is growing. And therefore, the disease is becoming milder and milder and milder. The true severity of the disease is becoming apparently milder and milder and milder. And then you get to the the designation of a death from a, a COVID case. And then we had what we had in the news, a chap was died in a motorcycle accident. And he was put down as a COVID death. And so you can believe nothing. You nothing. can believe absolutely nothing that is nothing. It's, it's, Jim, you call it panic porn. I, I, even right now, Andy, I'm looking at headlines 
The Guardian, 46 minutes ago, U.S. military medical teams dispatched to California hospitals hard hit by COVID-19. And then you've got these, you know, images, of course, with healthcare workers in total hazmat suits, you know, rushing people in ambulances and, you know, ABC News four hours ago, coronavirus updates, Florida has 53 hospitals with no ICU beds. And then the Sun Sentinel, which is my my personal favorite, from two hours ago, Florida reports 10,347 new COVID-19 cases as protesters yell, shame on you at Governor DeSantis. Well, uh, actually, this this is a good point for some uh, some data. Um, Governor DeSantis should be uh, given an award uh, for the excellent his excellent handling, whereas Cuomo, uh, Governor Cuomo up in New York and Governor Murphy in New Jersey should be given the Death by Cuomo Award. In New York, the de- the uh, death rate per capita is 1,909 per million. In Florida, it's 200, 212. What the and, heck? And Florida, Florida's got quite as many old people as uh, New York does. Uh, in fact, all 11 of the top death rate states are, are controlled by Democrats. Uh, and in fact, the death rate in New York City, 2,800, is four times what it is in Belgium, and that's the worst of the countries. Uh, about 30,000 people of the 140,000 who have died, died or old people who died in New York, in large part because of Governor Cuomo's order to place uh, COVID-positive patients in nursing homes. He, he literally killed those people. Literally. Uh, and, and, and so that's, yeah, but it, that's what's so topsy-turvy. DeSantos in Florida is doing such a good job. In fact, we are, what the data actually shows is that America is on the verge of a near complete uh, success in flattening the curve. The, the death rates per week back in mid-April were 16,000, 15,000, 13,000, 11,000 for the four weeks in April, first week in May. In the last four weeks, there are 3,000, 2,000, 1,000, and then 190. That's just 190 for the week ending 718. For something that was killing 16,000 people three months ago per week, to be down to 190 deaths is pretty good. So it sounds like the only thing that's really on life support here is this narrative that COVID is trying is killing Americans in droves. Andy, you you've just cited that they're doing uh, accounting of cases in such an irresponsible way. Is that why the White House last week said no more running the data through CDC? It's coming directly to the White House. I know Jim will have some comments on this, but this is a huge move. And it's a, it really underscores the White House's lack of confidence in what the CDC has been telling it. I, I, the question I'm going to put to Jim in a minute is, he mentioned this uh, the democratic states having the great the highest mortality rate and therefore is there a political agenda in this but jim uh, just in terms of the significance of the white house removing the data collection and reporting um duties on covid from from the cdc how significant do you see that well it's it's another in a long string of incompetence you know, going back to the very early stages of the the problem, where CDC was handing out test kits where the distilled water tested positive for virus. Uh, so this goes back to the very beginning. One of the reasons the White House gave for removing the reporting function from CDC is that they were still relying on so-called census data 
being sent in on manual fax machines, you know, which is, might have been fine 20 years ago, or it might be fine for the annual flu census. But we obviously need real-time reporting to deal with this. And so they, HHS hired a company in Philadelphia to put together a web portal for all uh, reporting hospitals to report their census and just simply took it away from CDC on the grace on the basis of just gross incompetence. There's nothing being there's nothing being hidden here from the public. It's just that CDC, you know, w wasn't fixing it and wasn't counting in a timely and uh, real-time way and reporting accurately to the public. So this White House move reflects the incompetence of CDC, but also reflects a desire on the part of the White House to make real-time data more immediately available to the public. Right. Now, Jim, you turned up some fascinating report by perhaps the last remaining journalist, real journalist in the United States of America, now Sharon Atkinson. And this casts some light potentially on the political uh, use and abuse of the COVID data. So tell us about that story. Well, uh, Cheryl, the great Cheryl Atkinson, formerly with CBS now with Salem and her own uh, production company and her own Sunday morning TV show, to which I would refer you all, uh, she, on November of '09 got her, her suspicion radar up, her spidey sense, and uh, turned up an order from the Obama White House to CDC to stop doing testing on what was then the pandemic, the swine flu, stop doing testing, and their justification was, we already know it's a pandemic, we don't need any more test results. So that, that, that's the perfect illustration of why this has been entirely politicized now because all the panic porn now is test results, test results, testing, 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 testing. We're being overwhelmed with cases. Well, imagine an article any January after, after the winter holidays. Oh, my God, we're being overrun with flu cases, being the lead headline in, in Washington Post and New York Times. You laugh at that. But in 2009, they wanted to stop counting because that would have embarrassed the Obama administration. There are, you know, many commentators have remarked that Obama was lucky to dodge a bullet, that there was only an 18,000 estimated total deaths, but, but hundreds of thousands hospitalized. Uh, but they had no idea when they stopped testing that the death rate would be only 18,000. But uh, two years ago, in 2018, the death rate from the flu was 80,000 or so, 100,000, from the regular seasonal flu. Uh, and so, and that didn't cause the panic porn, mask wearing, total shutdown, no schools. Are we really going to shut down the schools every January? You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. To continue the conversation, go to 1986theact.com slash membership, where for $5 a month, you can subscribe and access the Andy Wakefield Podcast in its entirety and much more.